This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. But at the end of each date, I would ask the guy um, to rate me on a scale of one to 10. And I think I was trying to answer why didn't these guys like me on The Bachelor or mm-hmm. why have I been broken up with so many times? And the reason was I didn't know who I was and I didn't know my confident self. So after like kind of six months of this blue period, I committed to a year of being single. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Wednesday. I hope you guys had a great Valentine's Day weekend. And I wanted to just share some thoughts I had about this season and love and whether you're single in a relationship, dating, whatever it is. I just thought we should have a little talk about love because we talk a lot about this in the episode today with Kayla. And I think this is a perfect episode for right after Valentine's Day to talk about love. So I shared this on my Instagram. I just remember this time of year and how it would always make me feel some type of way. I was always a very confident single person. I was single my entire life, all 29 years until I met Nick. I definitely dated. I was on dating apps. I obviously went on a reality TV dating show. So dating, I had to put myself out there often and it was uncomfortable. You had to let down those walls that you tend to put up when you're uncomfortable in situations or starting something new. And I always had fear around not ever finding the right person for myself. And I felt like there was something wrong with me because it took me so long to find someone and I just didn't have much success. When dating, I went on some decent dates, some bad dates, some good dates, And it just never was fully there. And I always knew in the back of my head that I had an idea of the person that I was looking for. And this wasn't like a crazy list of a hundred things. It was just some key values that I knew I needed in a person. And a lot of times you'll find a person that has like most of those values, but definitely one that's missing, one or two that just doesn't line up or all of them. And in your heart, you just know that it's not right and that you're looking for something more. So I was always holding out for that thing that I knew internally that I existed, but I didn't always see it externally. And I spent a long time, a lot of time searching for that. So I like to share about that part of my life just because I wish I saw someone who had gone through a similar experience as me. And I'm sure there were plenty of people that had. I just was, it was hard for me to find those people to look up to, to relate to. So that's why I'm so open with that part of my life. So I would say my best advice if you are single, are dating, are looking, or even if in your relation, if you're in a relationship, I hope that you hold on to the hope that what you're looking for is out there and that you are willing to not settle. And in order to do that, you need to do the work as far as looking for what you're looking for. If that means going on social media and looking at people's relationships and kind of in a weird way, studying them and seeing like, what is it about them that you like that you see for yourself? And that'll show you that that thing exists, that it's possible for you to find, that someone else found it and that you can too. So if you go look at something and you're like, oh, I can't have what she has because she has this and this and this, then that's not the perfect person to relate to. Maybe find someone else that has those qualities that seems similar to you that you can be like, oh, if she can have it, I can have it. And then the more that you collect that direct example that what you're looking for exists, the easier it will be for you to believe it, to build that self-confidence around waiting, around being clear on what you're looking for. And that will come with mistakes. I mean, sometimes people seem to be what you're looking for and there was something missing that you didn't see and that'll come out later and that's okay too. I think everything that we go through in life is a lesson, is a chance for us to grow and become the person or the better version of the person that we're meant to be. Other advice for dating and being single in this time, we talk about this with Kayla, but being single is such a special time in your life. That is when you grow into the person that you are. I would say don't be ashamed ever of being single. It's amazing. It builds your confidence. And the longest relationship that you will ever have is the one with yourself. Cherish that. Respect that relationship. Push that relationship to grow because the better version that you create for yourself, 
a better version that you will find in a partner. That partner will be able to meet you where you're at. And if you're at a higher level with all the growing that you're doing while you're single and enjoying your life, embracing this time, the better a person that you will attract and the more confidence that you will have to accept that person into your life and to wait for that right person. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. I just feel like this season, Valentine's Day, around the end of February, I just always felt no matter how confident I was, just a little maybe sad or down that I still hadn't found it yet. It was just a little reminder and I don't think there should ever be um, anything wrong with that. You can be the most confident person in the world and that's going to ebb and flow and that's okay. And just recognizing that and moving forward with that and just using it as a little like check and balance for yourself at where you're at and what you're looking for and that you deserve that. So that is my little something to share with you today. We have Kayla Quinn on the podcast today. I'm super excited. I'm a big fan of her. She was such a big help for me when I was going on Bachelor in Paradise. We met for dinner and drinks and just kind of sat down and I could relate to her really well. And she's just so open and real and genuine. And I think she's a great listen for what I was just talking about today. If you could, please share this episode with a friend, someone that needs it. I feel like we just need a little bit more support in or in this time of year, just what with all the things that are going on in the world and social media. I just think we need a little bit more support. So if this will support someone that is going through something similar, please share it with them. And if you feel called to, or if you didn't mind, I would appreciate the five stars so I can keep growing this podcast and getting it to more people who need it. Without further ado, guys, here is Kayla. Hello, Kayla. Welcome back or welcome back to my life, I guess, but welcome to the podcast. How are you? I miss you. I know. I miss you too, Sydney. I'm doing well just here in Brooklyn. You know, same old, same old. Amazing. Well, you actually were one of the main former castmates that helped me through the bachelor process because I met you in between when I was on Colton season and right before I went to paradise and you had given me all the advice for going on to the show. So I really appreciate you and you hold a special place in my heart because of all the stuff that you go through during that show. So thank you. Of course. Well, I loved meeting with you and I I just have always appreciated how genuine you are. So I'm glad we get to catch up. I know. Me too. This is great. So I'm sure a lot of people know what you're up to now, but I kind of want to take it to the very beginning before you went on the show. I know that was a few years ago now because you were on Ben, H- ben Higgins season. Um, so I kind of want to know like who Kayla was pre-Bachelor, pre-all of this fame, quote unquote, that you experienced. Like who were you before you went on the show? That's a great question. I feel like before I went on the show, I was um, still a very happy, positive person, but I really was lost at sea a little bit, not really knowing what I wanted to do with my life. And um, even though I was happy in portraying that on the outside, on the inside, um, I don't think yeah, I don't think I really knew my purpose, even though I was dating and I was like, you know what? The answer to everything is meeting your partner and finding love. But little did I know, you know, a young 23 year old, there's so much more to finding yourself than having someone else with you. Totally. Did that come from your upbringing? Because I knew you grew up in Ohio, which for me living mm-hmm. here right now, I can see <laughs> why you would have those influences on you. It's like a very hometown kind of place. Mm-hmm. You know everyone from high school and you grow up with the same people and then you kind of you know, look for that MRS or that marriage uh, kind of right out of college. Was that like a part of your mindset or is that just something that you put on yourself? No, that's so true. I feel like you know, my parents had such a happy marriage full of support and love ever since I was little. And so when I look up to that, I'm like, okay, well, if you have love in that person, then you will be happy no matter what. Mm -hmm. But really that's not the truth. Like you need to find yourself first and really moving to New York after the show taught me that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But you're right. The Midwest is, it's kind of such a bubble because you just see people in pairs and you're like, okay, well, if you have that in line, then you, you're like, you know, put together, but you know, they're, they're still finding themselves. So you kind of needed to like shake yourself. And I guess you going on The Bachelor was you doing that, which is definitely a way to go about that. I definitely remember that experience and kind of just, I was kind of in a good path, but I also, it wasn't when I was on the show, when I realized 
I wasn't fully happy where I was. Mm -hmm. And it took an experience like that, like fully bringing you out of what you're comfortable with to understand that. So you went to, I think I read you went to like an open call for Ben Higgins season. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, It was in Cleveland. So very close to you, a couple hours. Um, And it was at a hard rock casino and it was me and 400 other girls waiting in line and they were all in like jeans and a t-shirt and cute shoes. And I was like, girls, why are we not dressed up? Why do I not see any dresses, you know, short hem lines, show some skin. Let's, let's get a little sex appeal going. So anyway, I think that's one way I stood out a little bit. There you go. I mean, and it's such an insane process. I also went to the open call and mm-hmm. everyone was like a big fan girl and I hadn't really watched the show and everyone was so excited to be there. It was kind of yeah. fun. But were you a fan of the show before you went on or you just needed like a new experience? Um, I was like a fan. I wasn't like a super fan, but I, you know, it was just like passively watch throughout college with my girlfriends. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. Maybe it's something I'll try out. Um, when you went to the open call, were you in LA? I was in New York at the time. So I went to the one, it was like, I think in Chelsea, like where all the studios are, where they film like the view and stuff like that. And I went because my friend from the dance team I was on was supposed to go on the show or they were like talking to her about it. But then she got in a relationship and she was like, you're very single. You should go. So I was like, (laughs) sure, that sounds funny. And I never expected to make it anywhere past that. So that was kind of insane. But I was going to say, you're so brave to go to the casting call in New York. I feel like that's really intimidating because there's just so many single women in New York that like that line must have been like 10 blocks long. So long. So, so long. And like, I was so excited. It felt like if you've ever seen So You Think You Can Dance where you like line around the block and they have the cameras, it was very like an experience in itself. (laughs) I'm sure. But it, yeah, it was a whole thing. But um, so when you went on the show, if you can remember all of those years ago being on it, was it what you expected? I mean, you went on the show pretty young. You were 23. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Which is kind of funny. And I'm looking at all of the girls on this season, on Matt's season. A lot of them were your age. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like a fish out of water? Where I can't remember if your season was kind of younger, or like kind of mixed. Um, the twins, my season were both 21. So there were girls younger than me, which made me feel better. I was like, okay, I'm not like (laughs) the baby of the group, but, um, yeah, I, it was a new experience for me because in college I went to BC and we didn't have like sororities or Greek life. And it felt, I don't know about if you felt this way, but it felt like a giant sorority. And I was like, okay, I have never been a cool girl. Mm-hmm. Do not know how to fit in with a million women. I have no sisters. So Kayla, just be chill, keep it together. Yeah. That was, was like going through my head, but everyone was so sweet. And I feel like the house um, you know, is so fun with the bunk beds that it kind of feels like summer camp. So it's really easy to get to know girls if you're open and not closed off. Yeah, that's very true. Um, it is like a huge summer camp because I was in a room with like 10 <laughs> girls and I sometimes it can be overwhelming though. Like it, it can go two ways. You can be like, oh, I'm meeting all these new friends. This is awesome. Everyone's pretty, but we're going to have a great time. Or it can be like, what am I, what did I get myself into? There's so many beautiful women here. Like, how am I here? I can go like both ways really quick. Totally. And I feel like it's such a small like bubble of an environment. It's so important. I don't want, like, I don't mean to say this in a weird way, but not to make enemies. It's so mm-hmm. important to like be everyone's friend and connect in one level or another. Cause you don't want to be isolated or have a target on your back. And we're seeing that this season, you know, Victoria's rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. And, mm-hmm. you know, since she's kind of leading the charge or like leading the group dynamic, you know, a lot of the girls feel isolated really quickly. Yeah, that's very true. She's such a strong personality and she's kind of setting that climate for everyone. And it's really, it, I've noticed that this season, especially it feels very mean girly. And I felt like we felt like that us a lot during Peter's season as well. And I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure like pinpoint what that dynamic, but it does make sense that Victoria's kind of the leader in the house for better or worse. Um, Did you have that kind of dynamic on your season that you remember? Like I know I've spoken to Olivia and she was the villain on the show, but she didn't really feel like that. What was your dynamic like in the house as far as between the women? I mean, I totally agree with Olivia. I didn't feel like there was any one strong personality. Our group was super chill. Like everyone got along for the most part. And I think a lot of that has to do with 
a lack of social media because we filmed in 2016 and it wasn't until our season aired that Instagram kind of blew up. And so we were all kind of just really naive, young, and just wanted to, you know, be present in the experience Mm -hmm. and weren't really trying to, to over-exaggerate anything for the cameras. Yeah, that's so true. And then it's funny because you guys were kind of like the start of then social media blossoming. Did you ever get like any trolling or anything like that from social media when you came off the show when it was airing or were you kind of like, it was still like the positive part of social media back then? (laughs) No, I think the beginning of social media was even more cruel because people, people didn't realize that there is online bullying and they didn't really just get that concept. They would just say whatever they want without a filter. And I feel like people now are you know, kind of a little more filtered. Um, but yeah, what I never understood when the show before the show aired was like the concept of Reddit. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you felt this way, but people would judge me before my season was on. So, um, there's so many people who are addicted to the bachelor and there's like this underground bachelor nation, um, you know, conversation or chat rooms and, they like pride themselves in finding out who the cast is before it airs. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this girl's going to be the villain. This girl's da, da, da. And so they just judged me before they got to know me and were hating on my Instagram, hating um, in articles. And I just didn't understand why, because the season hasn't even aired yet. And so why are you taking the secondhand information and trashing my name? Um, which I'll, which I never really get still. Yeah. And even girls from my high school were speaking out about me against you any, or against me. And we hadn't wow. even talked in five years. So I just will never understand what, you know, why people mm-hmm. feel that that's, um, beneficial or I think they just want to have a say. Yeah. I, I agree. Reddit was a part of my season as well. I have just made it a point now from learning about Reddit because I didn't really know about it before. My brother used to use it to like look for video game stuff. It was never (laughs) about like the dark part of the web, but people are ruthless on there. And I've, I've gone through that dark hole of like looking up the bachelor feeds when I was on the show, just because you just, you kind of wonder, but then you start seeing it and you're like, I never want to see this again. So I, I don't, I still do not understand that just because like the energy that takes to do the research on these people and then just like spew all the hate. It just like takes a lot of your out of your day. Like it takes a lot, not just like time, just like your energy that you're putting into the world. It's like so negative. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me, but I don't think there's a way to even shift it. I totally agree. And like my greatest insecurity on this or like coming off the show was um, a bunch of girls and patrols online were like, you know what? She's so fake. Like, I don't know if you felt like this, but people throw out names and labels and they stick with you. And um, I just didn't understand why everyone thought I was fake mm-hmm. when they didn't ever try to get to know me. And I think a lot of it has to do with everything that they saw was I was very happy and positive and always smiling. Yeah. And you know, what people don't realize is, you know, it's a defense mechanism for a lot of people. It doesn't mean that you're not insecure, that you're not worried or, you know, sad inside. It's just how I protect myself. And so just because someone's positive doesn't mean they're fake. How did you not let yourself fall into that mental space of like, oh, they're right? Because I feel like if you read enough and you do enough research and enough people are telling you that, like, how did you get yourself out of that headspace? And how did you kind of, you know, ignore it and keep going after the show? Well, I feel like my entire Instagram is is based on proving that wrong, that I'm not fake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really tried to make it my mission in life and social media to prove that, you know, it can be a vulnerable space and being vulnerable is a beautiful thing. And so I'm trying to lead by example on talking about talking about insecurities and like how to work through relationship issues, how to find yourself when you're single. And I think, um, you know, how to prove I'm not fake is to be authentically myself 24 seven. And so people have been there in my acne journey with scars and like, you're very vulnerable on Instagram as well. And I feel like I've seen you when you were a dancer, single, like trying to like be on the road. Mm-hmm. And now you found this amazing person. And I feel like it's amazing when more people share their entire self. Yeah. I think the only way to prove people wrong is to yeah, be yourself. Yeah, I think owning your insecurities is huge. Totally. And you absolutely do that. But you also do it in such like a beautifully aesthetic way that it's so pleasing to like follow. Um, so I highly re- recommend people following you if they already 
don't. But yeah, it's so true. It's a matter of like how how to decide what you're going to do with this platform, with what you're given, with this opportunity. And people go a lot of different ways about about it. But I like that you've chosen to take like this experience and people putting that on you and making good out of it because it's it's difficult and you have to really be a strong person and really own those things that you might not necessarily like about yourself or you might not want to show all the time but you really do and that mean that shows a lot of strength and with people being mean like that like I'm thinking about the people from your high school like saying bad things about you it's just like usually that says something about them and the fact that they take those opportunities to spread the negativity I'll never understand but I appreciate what you keep putting out there because I think it's obviously helpful for people. So yeah, don't go on Reddit, guys. It's a mess. <laughs> Stay away. Stay away. So then going from your experience on The Bachelor, you made it to the end. You have fall- had fallen for Ben and you were final three. Um, and then you went to that following paradise. Is that Was that like the timeline for you? Yeah, Which exactly. if people don't know, like you stopped filming um, Bachelor in like November, right around Thanksgiving, and then you start Paradise around May. And I'm not sure if it was like the same uh, process or timeline for you guys. Like May, June is when you're filming. So between the time that you were dating Ben and you went on the show, uh, did you date at all? Were you ready for Paradise? Like what was your mindset about going on the show? Between The Bachelor and Paradise, like I – it's kind of on a soul searching journey. I had moved to New York okay, you did. for a new job. Yeah. In between that time. And I was seeing somebody and it was really funny that it was like the in-between time. It was I, the guy I was seeing, um, it was the first time I'd ever been ghosted. Oh. And we was it were, in New York? In New York. Oh, of course. <laughs> and he was an actor and he was on Broadway and we were together like six weeks. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I will never understand like, what did I do? Because it felt like everything was going so well. And so after that, um, when the producers reached back out and where they were like, are you single? You want to go on paradise? I was like, I guess so. Like, why not? I mean, I want to meet somebody and I had found people from previous seasons attractive. So it was kind of, you know, they say the greater the risk, the greater the reward. Mm -hmm. And I thought I would take another risk and put myself back out there. Yeah. I, I'm just getting so many flashbacks of dating in New York. It's so hard, like so hard. And I, it's, that was every guy's MO was just ghosting. And then because they were ghosting, you're like, I guess I have to ghost people. I I just, it was such a, almost a toxic environment for a little bit. So I, I know, I remember dating New York was so difficult, but you obviously found your relationship in New York. So we can get to that too. But yeah, yeah, I remember that time. And I think it was funny about, or interesting about you are going on to paradise was this like love triangle that you ended up in, I think very unintentionally going into paradise (laughs) between yourself, Ashley and Jared. So can you walk me through that experience a little bit? Cause it seems like that was basically your um, storyline, if you will, during uh, your time on paradise. Well, I wasn't, I I believe you were a part of your original cast for paradise. Mm -hmm. Correct. Mm -hmm. And I think when you are a part of the original cast, like, you form this bond with your group and you're like, we're the OGs, like nothing contain us. I don't care who walks through that door. Well, I wasn't a part of that group. And so I came in probably episode three, a little late. And I felt like this bond between everyone else. And I already felt like the outcast from day one going in. And I remember meeting Jared and he was so sweet and so open and warm. And I think in that moment, I was like clinging for someone to take care of me because it felt like, um, felt like high school all over again, where it's like, you know, I just want one friend. And, Mm -hmm. and we went on a horseback riding date. It was super romantic, super bachelor style. (laughs) And, um, yeah. And I just was grateful to have a friend. And then we went back from our first date and played cards, which is like my favorite thing. And, you know, I just wanted to get to know the people I'd never met before and get to know this mm-hmm. new group of people. And, you know, after our one-on-one date and then having an hour back in, at the, at the villa where we were living in, in Mexico, um, Ashley shows up. Mm-hmm. So I had really own, only known Jared probably an hour and a half or two hours before she comes. And, um, you know, she and I were friends before and she did ask me to promise not to date Jared. And you have to understand, I moved 17 times growing up. I went to four high schools, many middle schools. I didn't have friends that were girls. And so I didn't really learn this concept of girl code. 
(laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah, that's very real. Yes, I do. And so even though I did promise and I acknowledged that that was my mistake, I I was like, okay, I won't date him. But when I got there, I was like, well, he's my only friend and he's the only one being nice to me. Yeah. So why would I, why would I not like want to get to know this person? Anyway, she arrives and I think it was like this tornado shit storm of tears all at once. And I was really overwhelmed and it kind of came at me at full force. Like you went against my word. How dare you? Yeah. You're taking the love of my life. And I was like, I'm so confused though. Cause he doesn't like you. How is he the love of your life? If it's not reciprocated. <laughs> yeah. And so I acknowledge my fault mm-hmm. in the whole matter and the triangle or whatever, because I broke my word. And at the same time, I'm so happy they found each other because I think he's like something clicked with him where he was like, she is my perfect person and my mm-hmm. best friend. And I would notice that even while we were like seeing each other, she was the first person he would text. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she was the person he would call when something funny happened. And I'm like, oh, what am I missing here? <laughs> why aren't we, why are you guys, do you need to help you or? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think I literally even said once, like, are you sure you don't like, like you guys should probably be together. <laughs> Um, yeah. And then it all worked out in the end, but it was just funny. And I don't think people, oh, so thank you for asking. People don't always know the story of why I got in between them. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of insecurity on my part on why I became close to him because Mm -hmm. I just felt isolated in this big group of people and really intimidated. Paradise is hard. And I remember you kind of telling me that just, I think your advice was like, don't get in a love triangle if you can avoid it, which I was like, (laughs) believe me, I'm going to try. Yeah, because it does feel like high school. And I was there day one, but there's so many people and it is high school in the fact that it's like a popularity game. And my season in particular was hard because a lot of people were hanging out beforehand. So everyone kind of knew each other. And I was like, why am I here? (laughs) Like, Everyone knows each other. So with the Jared and Ashley thing, I can totally understand why you were just like, I just need someone to like hang out with because we're here all day and mm-hmm. he's really nice. And I I mean, Ashley's not here yet. Like, what were you going to do? So yeah. And then I can completely relate to your – I'm sure I probably would have ended up in the same exact situation if I <laughs> was like doing that. So well, oh I appreciate you giving me some, you know, empathy because it is a crazy situation. And like once you're there – there's no turning back. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. you can't walk, right walk back up the stairs, really. Right. It's you rough. The best of it. Yeah. How long were you there then before you decided to leave on your own? I think I was there like a full two two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. So you're and I know the, the whole process is three weeks total. So were you there bachelor two weeks or were you there like four days, but it was two weeks? I was there like actual two weeks. So it was a while. I think it was like, yeah, I think it was six or seven episodes. Okay. So then, yeah, you were there for the long haul, which I'm sure was overwhelming. Yeah. But I think it's all fine now, like going back and looking at it because obviously it worked out for everyone. Like you're engaged, they're they're married. Like it's just funny to kind of look back on it, but it's kind of interesting to like watch it now from an outsider's perspective after seeing what happened after. It's kind of interesting. But I'm, yeah, I'm glad that they um, figured their stuff out because they are really good together. <laughs> I agree. They had a beautiful wedding in yeah. Rhode Island. It was a dream. And what's the kind of funny is you probably can relate to this. I feel like there's different like bachelor pods. There's like the LA group. There's mm-hmm. New York group. They don't really overlap. Mm-hmm. But what's amazing, I feel like you're a hybrid because you're kind of friends with both coasts. Yeah, it was fun. And then with being on the tour, I got to meet like Becca yeah. and Ben and like meet different people in different cities. But yeah, I tried to keep it open. I mean, I was always like loyal to my New York people because you guys were like took me in and you know I got to hang out and little pods but it's a smaller group in New York so we have to really stay together so after paradise you go back to New York City you're on this like new self-discovery journey you're dating in New York so walk me through that single life Carrie Bradshaw Kayla version of yourself in New York (laughs) dating and then how you eventually met your um, now fiance Nick who is also the name of my boyfriend which is really funny Oh, Nick's a good name. They're the best. Yeah, they are. You guys, if you learn anything, find yourself Nick. (laughs) I know, which is funny too because my brother's also named Nick and my dad is named Nick and my grandpa was named Nick. So I was like, this is either a really good sign or really bad. So luckily it was good. (laughs) Yeah, no, so good. But it's a solid name. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. But yeah, I moved to New York. um, Yeah, like I said, in between The Bachelor and Paradise. And when I came back from Paradise, I was really shaken and I actually – went through this deep, dark blue period where I felt like I had no one who I could talk to or relate with. 
Mm-hmm. And being in that love triangle really put me in a dark place because I felt like I was a bad person. And mm-hmm. and so how I tried to resolve it was going on dates. And I considered myself like a serial dater. I, I, I felt like it was my job. Mm-hmm. And I would plan like two or three dates from Tinder a week. And we'd go to like Acme, downtown, you know, speakeasy bars. And it was really fun. Mm-hmm. But at the end of each date, I would ask the guy um, to rate me on a scale of one to 10. Wow. That's very vulnerable for you to do. Yeah. And I would ask them, okay, can you give me a performance review? What did I do right on the date? And what did you not like? Wow. And I think I did that for four or five months, you know, a couple times a week where I would ask these random guys what was wrong with me. And it would, and I didn't realize that I was in a dark place trying to answer questions that of course, normal random strangers wouldn't know the answers to. And I Mm -hmm. I think I just didn't know who I was and I was Mm -hmm. looking for them to answer it. And so single me after a couple months was like, what am I doing? And it was actually Charlene Joint who was on Juan Pablo's season of The Bachelor, who's one of my close friends who made this connection. And she was like, you know, Kayla, what you're doing is trying to create a scatterpoint graph and and find us an answer which... um, which you need to answer yourself, mm-hmm. like who you are. And I think I was trying to answer why didn't these guys like me on The Bachelor or mm-hmm. why have I been broken up with so many times? And the reason was I didn't know who I was and I didn't know my confident self. So after like kind of six months of this blue period, I committed to a year of being single. And for the next year, I worked on my blog and I worked on myself and I made a bucket list of everything I wanted to accomplish single. And I was like, if I'm going to be single, I'm going to be the best fucking single person out there. I'm going to take it full force and go in hard. And so I wrote things on there like, yeah, start my blog, code a website. I'm going to reconnect my relationship with my brother because it was really strained and I didn't really, wasn't really speaking with him. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to tr- do a trip, well, like a single girl's trip for 10 days and thing is, if I was with somebody during that, that year, I wouldn't have started my blog. I would have focused on them and I wouldn't have done a week long road trip with my brother and got to know him again. And our relationship would still be distant. And then the third thing is I wouldn't have traveled and seen the world and created these crazy stories that I can laugh about with my friends. And so I learned that being single is awesome. You know, you just have to do it right and, and make it intentional and when I came out of that, I, after that year of being single and not really dating, I um, made a decision that I wanted to move to San Francisco. So I ordered a bunch of boxes and was prepared to move. And it was like fall fashion week, September of that year. And I remember as soon as I made the plans to move to San Francisco, I met Nick. Wow. That was meant to be. Yeah. And so I feel like when I gave up looking and, mm-hmm. and you know, God laughed at me. <laughs> that's so real. Yeah, I mean, it's that's such a an interesting thing when you feel alone or you feel lost. It's so easy to be like look to your outside world for help or to tell you or just to give you the answers, but like you're not going to be able to find them or you'll get answers but they won't be your truth. They won't be like true to you like with you asking those guys like what was wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. Just like you weren't you didn't you weren't listening to like that inner voice or you weren't trying to find that inner self and it takes like getting quiet getting uncomfortable and sitting with those hard feelings a lot of times and like taking that year for yourself and figuring out like what's gonna fill me up like what's gonna make me feel like good inside to find that which I'm it's such an interesting story and like a really cool journey that you went on but it's gotten you to this amazing place and I feel like when you do that like life kind of unfolds in the right way or the way it should which it seems like it has for you so then meeting Nick how did you guys meet and what was it that was different about him? Like, did you ask him that rate to me to one to 10 when you guys first met? Like, what, where were you at headspace as far as when you started dating? No, when I met him, I was over the whole rating scale. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> he didn't have to suffer through that at the end of our first date. Oh thing. my God. He would have probably been scared off. <laughs> um, but at that point, we actually were set up on a blind date mm-hmm. and I was out with a girlfriend and she was like, you know, there's a cute guy I want you to meet. Do you mind if I invite him out to drinks with us? And I was like, sure. And it was in the Wren downtown. And I was going to ask what bar it was. It's such yeah. A have you been bar. to the Wren? Yeah. It's very yeah. cute. 
It's so cute. It's never going to go anywhere, too, which is nice. Exactly. Um, but I remember him, like, seeing him walk through the, like, crowded, small corridor um, between the bar and him just, like, beaming smile. He had the biggest smile I've ever seen. I was like, wow, that's, like, <laughs> my kind of guy. Which you have the beaming smile, too, so it really makes sense. <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah, and I was like, he's a happy person. Yeah. And we were – I was at a drinks with, like, six other girls, and I remember him walking up to our table and introducing himself to every other girl first and saving me for last. Hmm. And I just thought that was such a gentlemanly thing. I could tell he was from the Midwest and had, like, mm-hmm. really good – um, etiquette and stuff like that, which I was attracted to. And so he saved me for last and we just talked for a couple hours. And then we ended up going to Acme, which is like a downtown bar, a dance, dance club or whatever. Very we, fun. Yeah. Yeah. We did a few a, nights there. <laughs> yeah. Best nights. And yes. we did like a dance floor makeout and he was so cute. And like, what's history from there? Oh my God. I love it. It's so adorable. Yeah. A good old, um, in public makeout, you know, it's real. <laughs> Seriously, you know, and I feel like guys, I mean, I hate to say this, but guys fantasize about the girl who can be both like proper, but also, yeah. you know, their fantasy. And you know what? Yeah. One of those nights. It was, you gotta, you gotta have play both sides for sure. Yeah. Um, so now you guys are planning this wedding. It kind of happened in this difficult time, obviously during COVID and this year, last year was just like difficult for everyone. You guys are playing the wedding. But in that meantime, you were lucky enough to go on one of my favorite shows on planet Earth. Like literally, I'm obsessed with it. It's just one of those shows that I can put on. It just makes me happy. You went on Say Yes to the Dress. Mm -hmm. Um, Please tell me everything about it. Was it everything that you thought it was going to be? What was that like journey like for you going on that show? (laughs) Sydney, you'd be perfect for the show. Like when your Nick is ready. I know. I'm like any day now. <laughs> yeah. Kleinfeld's here I come. I know. Um, but it was a really fun journey. We it was kind of funny because I put I sent in my audition slip when Nick and I weren't even engaged. Really? <laughs> yeah. I was like <laughs> risky. <laughs> very risky. We were together two years at that point. And I was like, yeah. you know what? F it. Like I'm gonna put my, like you know. Yeah. And also, you know, this, when it comes to casting, sometimes the casting process takes a year or two years. And so I was like, you know what, I'm on a wine night where I was just home in my apartment alone. I was like, I'm going to fill this out, email it in and see what happens. And that was six months before I went on the show. And they only film in January. Hmm. Fun fact. So, I mean, not many people know this, but they had asked me, in November, hey, do you want to be on the show in January? Mm. And in November of that year, I was not engaged. So I went to Nick and I was like, hey, Nick, <laughs> say yes to the dress would love for you know, um. uh, yeah, our story to be on it since we're very romantic and I love yeah. you and I love you so much. That I was like, I want to shout about our our relationship from the rooftops. Yeah. What do you, do you think we'll be engaged by January? <laughs> no pressure or anything, but this is my dream and I need you to make it happen. <laughs> Seriously, that actually was like what I said. And I was like, you kind of have like two months. Can you yeah. make it? <laughs> and he was so like, he was any typical guy reaction. He was like, you're pressuring me. Why are you doing this? <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know what? Don't worry about it. You don't have to propose to me. It just would be like my dream and yeah. amazing. <laughs> Um, but I'll let you decide if my dreams come true. Yeah. And oh my God. That was sweet. And he like proposed to me January 2nd, like right after New Year's. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> yes. Let me email casting. Wow. Um, and it was just, well, we knew we were going to get engaged. We had been talking about it for yeah. a full year and we knew it was going to happen sooner or later. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky that he had already planned for that timing anyway. And so we, yes, went to Kleinfeld's the last on the last week of January. And, um, it was magical. Mm-hmm. Randy is my fairy godfather. He seems like that. <laughs> He's so smiley and like put together and yeah, he kind of floats around on the cloud and wears the most tailored suit. And it's funny because my dad, um, loves to dress well also. And really? so Randy and my dad became like best friends being like, where's your suit from? Like, wait, Can I have his name? Can we both go together? Oh, my God. Wait, Randy, I feel like he would smell really good. (laughs) Oh, he does smell delicious. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. (laughs) I just like that. I need like all the sensories. I just need to know. So (laughs) 
exactly what you imagined. Trying on all those dresses there, did you feel a lot of pressure to find the dress there because it was like this whole experience or did it kind of just Yeah. Happen? No, going into it, I felt so much pressure. And of course, my like defense mechanism, smiling and being positive and happy mm-hmm. was in full force. I was like, okay, I'm going to find my dress if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> And so I do remember trying on the first two dresses and kind of making excuses and being like, you know what, this is nice. I could wear this. Mm-hmm. But That's when you're trying yeah. on, yeah, but when you're trying on dresses, you don't want to be like, like settle. Yeah. You didn't do and that then, with your husband. So, or like your husband to be, why would you do that with your dress? <laughs> totally. And I didn't really realize this, but I, you can actually fall in love with the dress until I put my third dress on, I didn't know that that feeling was real where mm-hmm. you could love something so hard and it's just clothing. Mm-hmm. And I remember zipping up the dress and being like, oh my God, this was made for me. Like, can I take this actual one that I'm wearing home and wear it home? Yeah. Can I just wear it underneath <laughs> all my clothes like a superhero? Yeah. No one will notice. I'm just going to take the subway home. Yeah. It won't get dirty, I promise. Wedding dress. Oh my God. And then, yeah, I love that you you said this, but it reminded you of like a Filipino fabric or whatever that they would wear for um, traditional stuff. So I I loved that. Planning your wedding, you obviously had to cancel. And so many brides have had that this year. Like I've all a lot of my friends, my now friend who was supposed to have a wedding at March last year, it's now coming up again in April. And she's like, am I going to have to cancel my wedding twice? Like I can't handle this. So what was that process like for you? How did you wrap your head around that? And now you guys are having this one. You were supposed to have two weddings. Now you're having the one in Florida. Like, can you walk me through that process for you guys? So Nick and I fell in love with each other for each other's sense of adventure. And, Mm. you know, know, our third date was going to London. Like, we just love traveling. And so our first wedding was going to be in, like, Como, Italy. And it felt perfect for us. We had planned that in January before COVID. And then, of course, when COVID hit and the news of lockdown happened and more um, regulations, Mm -hmm. it was really hard to keep clinging on to that dream. The later and later we got into all of this, Nick and I had promised each other, you know, no matter what, by December of this year, we're going to make a decision. And that's going to be our deadline, our decision deadline, whether we're going to cancel or keep going. But when, but October of that year, we just felt so sick and uneasy and we knew travel internationally wasn't going to open up for a long time. And so we had to pull the trigger. It was really difficult because we had a lot of money invested Mm -hmm. and we had so much planned and so many vendors booked. But at the end, once we made the decision, I felt so much happier about getting married and I felt this weight off my shoulders and I knew it was right. And so I just feel like for a lot of people, you carry the burden of making a hard decision for so long that mm-hmm. once you feel make the decision, it feels better. So whoever is hearing this, if you have something that's weighing on your heart, just make the decision and commit to it. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're getting married in Florida and they're a lot more lenient there and we're really excited. And we're, we kept the same exact date as before. We just picked a different location where people could come to it. Amazing. Well, you're getting married this year. So congrats. It's exciting now that you have the date and just made the decision. That's so exciting. I, I can't wait to see all the photos and all, all the amazing content from it because they're already beautiful, all of your announcements and everything. I was like, ah, oh, this is a dream. <laughs> Thanks, girl. Um, last few questions I have, cause you are, like I said, very active on social media. You have this amazing brand. Now you, you've taken this business into like your own social media space. It's kind of a different way of doing things. It's a little bit more common now, I guess, to be a blogger and doing stuff on social media. But like, how did you decide to go about that, that, um, aspect of your career? And do you have advice for people wanting to go off on their own, quitting their like nine to five jobs and going into this like social media type of space that you're in? What really was the turning point that made me want to do social media full time was I was for eight months, I was juggling both nine to five. I was working in marketing for a startup and doing blogging at night. And so I kind of did both for almost a year. And I realized um, that I could financially sustain myself just on blogging and being a creative. And then I also realized like it came really natural to me. Mm-hmm. I really loved sharing all aspects of lifestyle blogging, whether it's like heartbreak, you know, skincare, you know, affordable fashion. It just was fun and something that I could do constantly. And so 
when it seems really natural and you've kind of found your niche, I think that's when you should maybe branch into it full time or consider that. And yeah, I, I do think that there are a couple rules of engagement. You really shouldn't just jump into being an influencer or doing Instagram unless you have built something first. You need a foundation. And I think you need months of proven financial stability before you should jump into it full time, especially since I lived in New York. And so I always made sure that I had four to five months of savings to live just in case, you know, as my little cushion. And so I think everyone should have like four or five months of finances saved. Absolutely. That's very smart. And then a part of that too, because you share so much of your life is now that you're in this relationship, like sharing that part of it as well. And now I'm doing that more because I'm in this new relationship and I'm trying to find a balance with it. Is there, is there conversations that you've had? Is there like um, boundaries that you've set with Nick with what he's comfortable with? Because I know guys have a different way about going about social media usually. So what is that conversation like that between you guys? What is he comfortable with and how do you go about what you share with you and your relationship? Well, first off, I love that you're sharing about your relationship because I think not enough people talk about it or feel comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And it was a learning curve for Nick and I, because he is definitely more private and would prefer if I didn't have this job and it would prefer if I didn't share about a relationship ever. Uh, But yeah, (laughs) I think we found a happy medium. And I think the key to having a relationship and feeling supported as a social media influencer or in, as a content creator mm-hmm. is creating concrete boundaries with men. And when I say that, it means writing down black and white rules to help you both feel like you're within the boundaries that you have set. Mm-hmm. So for example, Nick, when we first started dating, I would always have my iPhone out and record him walking through the door when he came home from work off the subway. Mm-hmm. And I was always recording an Insta story saying like, look who's home. I'm so excited. Nick is here. How cute is he? Oh my gosh, I'm going to cook dinner. And that was when he felt most uncomfortable because he was just exhausted from mm-hmm. a 45 minute subway ride. And now he's you know, thinking that all these people are going to see him when he's caught off guard. Mm-hmm. He might not be the best version of himself. And so we created a boundary saying for the first hour when he comes home from work, I will never take my phone out. And I will never record him walking through the door. And so it's little things like that where um he feels supported and safe. And then, you know, I give and take saying when we travel or well, he kind of give me gives me a win and every quarter, every four months, he'll do a photo shoot with me. Hmm. I need to put so it in my contract with my boyfriend. Yes, you should definitely write that in there. And, yeah. uh, you know, even one photo shoot, you take, what, 60 photos, and that can last you four months. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of like batch content creating with the men because he only sees it as an hour of his time. Yeah, that's very true. I and mean, even if, like, you're not in this um, – if it's not your job, like it is important because I feel like everyone has their different boundaries with social media to have that conversation is helpful because a lot of times like you could just be recording and like showing your life because I feel like girls just do that. They take photos all the time. It's exciting, but it is important. I think as a part of the relationship in the social media age that we're in is to discuss that and like what each person is comfortable with because it just makes it easier, I think. And no, totally. Shows, yeah. And it's so weird. We have to discuss so many things now because yeah. – um, people are becoming just more sensitive, not like social media was new four years ago. Mm-hmm. And now people are, you know, they have different comfort levels with it. Yeah. But now there's other barriers, like with COVID, you have yeah. to ask people like, do you feel comfortable hugging me? So I just feel like people are building up more and more walls. And yeah. so hopefully we can just tear them down and I still agree. be able to feel like we can hug people and still be able to share fun memories. Like not the world isn't out to get you. We don't have to be afraid of social media. We don't always have to be afraid of hugging. Like hopefully one day we go back to a world where, you know, we're just all open people. I'm really happy you said that because I'm going through that struggle too, because I want to share and I want to be open and I want to do that. But then nine times out of 10, or usually one person will say something about it or have something that they are not comfortable with and they'll project it. And it's like, I have to keep building myself up to share because I feel like it's important. But yeah, I hope that we can go back to a time where we're just a little bit more accepting and open and happy and hugging and hanging out. Yeah. I I hope for that too. And I feel like it's coming, but yeah, maybe in a year. Exactly. Just got to keep that thick skin. Um, Kayla, before I let you go, I have gone through like a rebranding with this podcast and now it is called something to share. So I just want to ask some like final quick questions and then that's it. 
based You're around sharing. me. Thank you for having me. This <laughs> yes, is so fun. So, fun. Um, so first question is a piece of advice that you would share with your younger self. Put less pressure on yourself and just drink more wine. Yeah, I agree. You know what? I just I think I put so much pressure on myself to like be perfect and act a certain way that I judged a lot of people who like went out and, and, you know, tried new things. And, and I just wish I was a more just relaxed person when I was younger. Yeah. I was reading part of your blog earlier about when you were on the show and you were like, I just wish I would have, you know, when I was on the bachelor had the chicken nuggets or like had the extra wine. I was the same way. I'm like, "Mm, I'm on camera. I can't do that. I don't, I'm going to go to bed. Like, yeah, I totally agree. Like, cause you get that one time and you're only young once. So experience it when you can and who knows when the next pandemic is going to be. So like have the wine. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, seriously. Whole bottle. Whole bottle. Um, if you could share a meal with anyone dead or alive, would you, who would it be and why? Um, I would share um, a dinner with, do you know Leah um, from Glee? Yes. I didn't watch Glee that closely, but I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I, or Leah Salonga. I don't know. Any Broadway star. I just yeah. love Broadway and I would love to pick their brain and be like, how is the show? You know, how was that character? How did you get in character every night for like three years straight and sing the same songs and not get bored of them? Yeah. Broadway just fascinates me. And I feel like, you know, the arts is like everyone who's in the arts is talented. You as a dancer, you put your heart and soul into it. And so I really respect it. Yeah, it's tough. And then when they say if you're on stage and you're thinking about your meal, like whatever you're having later and you're not performing, that's when it's time to get out. Because when you lose that like passion for it, when your head's somewhere else, that's when it's like, mm, it's time to hang it up. So yeah, it's definitely a part of that passionate self. Um, last question I have um, is something that you've gone through recently or something that you've learned or some- anything that's like on your heart right now, something that you would want to share with my audience. What would that be? I mean, the main thing would be, I'm actually really grateful this for this quarantine time here in New York. This past two months, Nick and I just moved to a new apartment here. And I realized every single morning that we our life will never be this quiet. It will never be this peaceful. We will never have this much amount of time to reflect and be alone with ourselves. And so, you know, we're about to get married. We're about to have kids. Mm-hmm. In a year, life will be different. So every single morning, I take the time to have no technology for about 15, 20 minutes. Journal, enjoy it look out the window and really just be present because um, life will never be this great again. Actually, it will be great, just great in different ways. Yes, it'll just <laughs> Every be a chapter different will just be different. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, thank you so much, Kayla. Before you go, can you just tell everyone where they can find you, social media, your website, all that good stuff? Totally. I would love to connect with all of you guys on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Kayla Quinn, spelled C-A-I-L-A-Q-U-I-N-N. And my blog is withlovekayla.com. And I share bi-weekly. Amazing. Thank you. It's an amazing Thanks. follow. I highly recommend. <laughs> Thank you, Sydney. Thanks Bye. again. Have a good Bye. day. Bye. <laughs>